No comment. <laughs> no point. At this late stage, <laughs> you haven't learnt now, you never will. It's always, always off. It's always the worst. Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Cruisecast. I'm Ben Hyten, and joining me as always... It's Alex Bellardi. This is a bonus in the sense that we're not really reviewing a Tom Cruise movie, uh, but we've ummed and ahed for several weeks about whether to discuss the Alex Gibney documentary Going Clear... Scientology and the Prison of Belief from 2015. And it's safe to say that even as we record, we are still umming and ahhing. Um, the reason to include it at this late stage is out of a sense of not trying to whitewash some of the more negative uh, aspects of Tom Cruise's public persona. And the footage of Cruise that's included in this film is among the most controversial stuff from his career and certainly stuff that hurt his public persona in the early 2000s. Right. And and in contrast to the other footage that you see in this film, uh, he doesn't come off that bad, actually, compared to what everybody else is doing. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Well, specifically uh, David Miscavige, the, um, yeah. the chairman of the board. Or Miscavige. Whatever. If you're American. That little, that little weasel. Miscavige. Yeah, uh, I don't like the guy, I have to say. I think I don't think you're alone. <laughs> it's difficult to like him when you watch this. Um, Miscavige. Miscavige, yeah. yeah. And it's it's difficult to say I really like Tom Cruise after watching this as well. Um, the reality is, is we don't know these guys. And that's kind of another reason to make this, is to acknowledge that while we sing the praises of the the people that the the stars that we review on the ornithology, we're also acknowledging we don't know much about them personally or their personal lives. Um, we get impressions of it, uh, but it's only through the characters that they're playing and the the movie interviews that we see them do, um, and that's about all as the, all that we've been willing to go into. Um, but this is such a such a large part. I mean, for example, in season one, we didn't talk about any of the allegations really. Uh, the sexual harassment allegations that were leveled yeah. at Schwarzenegger, for example. Or, or you know, the fact yeah. that his political views don't necessarily align with no, ours. No, no, He clearly had an affair, yeah. you know, when he was married right. to Maria Schneider. Yeah. Maria Schreiber. Rob Schneider? Rob Schneider's sister. You're right. Maria Schreiber. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. yeah she's um, and <laughs> uh, so, so, but this, this feels so massive in comparison to that, you know, and actually as far as Republicans go, he's, He's pretty liberal Republican, Schwarzenegger. Yeah. So it, we, you know, we felt that if we didn't do it, we might regret it. Uh, and there's an open question, really, at the end of where this leaves Cruz. What the film is about, and it's based on a book, and the author of the book is uh, on camera in this film giving interviews. It's about trying to dig a little bit under the surface and look at why Scientology is so secretive, why why Scientology is so protective of its image and even its inner workings compared to other acknowledged religions. Um, And also about the fight to be be recognized as a religion. And what it uncovers is that even within the church itself, many members of Scientology, decades-long members of Scientology, are unaware of practices within Scientology that are abusive, 
that are uh, neglectful of uh, human rights and uh, well-being of its members. Um, and I guess what's even more scary than that is, even in the face of demonstrable evidence of these abuses, members of the church are still actively in denial about them or even see them as being good for them. And that yeah. is really fascinating. And the film, I don't think, really goes into that yeah. very deeply. No. Um, and what you just said there is very interesting. And again, I know we're not going to talk too much about the film, but it was that I had a very strong sense you know, leaving the film, walking away from the film, that I kind of, I want to, I admire it for saying things that could be leveled universally at any uh, dogmatic totalitarian organization that that is controlling. And uh, humanity in the history of power, it seems if you, if you look into that in any, in, in any era, it seems that some level of control and manipulation of an organization's members seems to be necessary to assert and to assert the dominance, to assert that power. And our culture has gone, has been going through revolution after revolution that says, no, that's not okay. We have to work towards more and more freedom. We have to work towards more and more collaboration. And this, this particular film makes a very damning appraisal of what happens when power sits in in the hands of, of just one or, or few uh, without at all, if as far as I remember, ever making comment about any of the org- other organizations that it looks like. But throughout, in my mind, I'm watching this film thinking of lots of different types of organizations sure. where the things that you just said could be the exact same criticisms could be leveled at them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what's powerful about the film. They didn't need to say it for me to think, Oh yeah, this kind of stuff goes on in lots of places. Yeah. Not, not just religious um, uh, organizations. I, I, I totally. And what I think is really fascinating because the, a large part of the first half of the film is actually just explaining to you, where Scientology came from. Yeah, it's kind of how boring. it works. Yeah, it's kind of boring. And you're well, kind of thinking... It's pretty yeah, fascinating. It's okay. But if yeah, you but... didn't know that stuff... Right, no. It would be super fascinating. No. But what I find really interesting is... Look, I'm opposed to any organized religion. But yeah. I can totally understand when I hear uh, L. Ron Hubbard speak, why someone would be attracted to some of the things that he's selling. And the big yes. change for me is when David Miscavige took over. And it right. it jumped up a notch to yeah. a very much more paranoid organization, yeah. um, much more malevolent, I think, organization than it was under L. Ron Hubbard. Now, that's not to say that there weren't these abuses happening under him or that actually it wasn't all just a tax fiddle to, become, to begin with. Uh, I think L. Ron Hubbard is on the record as saying, if you want to be rich, start a religion. And that's what his real basis for Scientology was. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, but I credit the documentary was saying, well, maybe, maybe not because it, there's no real evidence that he was hoarding money or running off with the money. There was, he really believed the things that he was writing and believing. And, uh, the, the there's this laughable sort of turn. So I'd say it's, it's at the 38 minute mark, almost precisely where you are learning about 
I guess the lower levels of the organization, the 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 quite attractive philosophy that can help somebody who's going through difficulties that basically looks like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, it's really so. There's an introspective, um, you know, listener that uh, uh, helps you ease into a sense of you know you can yeah. tell me anything kind of thing. Yeah. And that that has and there's proven, no denying that that works. Yeah, that's been no proven that time that and time again. Yeah. That works. It's what the, the NHS's go-to therapy has been. The National Health Service in this in this country is go-to therapy has been a therapy that's that simple. I'm just listening, and let's see if we can reorganize this into a more meaningful story while you go forward. That's that's the, that's the simplest way that I can I can put that. But there's a moment when uh, one of the contributors in the documentary, uh, Harris, uh, Paul Harris is his name. Paul Haggis. Paul Haggis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's, he's so you're thinking oh actually what's so bad about Scientology this is people trying to help themselves and it sounds kind of reasonable and what's different about any other religion like it's and then and then Paul Haggis just says he starts talking about some of the higher levels yeah. and the information you learn at what the foundation of Scientology is about yeah uh, these alien souls attaching themselves to human bodies and the ridding of those souls and the whole backstory necessary to explain that his reaction made me laugh out loud in a film that I did not think I would. Um, he just uh, he just comes out with all the other these reasonable people talking really reasonably, and he's like, "I was looking at this and I was just reading this stuff, and I said, what the fuk is this shit?'" Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I laughed, I laughed because I'm just like I'm trying to be reasonable and think it through, and then it takes this turn where it's like, "This is this is insane," and for an organization who's, um remit is just just to get rid of insanity in the world it's like well this is just it's apparent that this is just Elwan hubbard's neuroses and maybe borderline psychoses um projected outward in the form of a story that he convinced lots of people were true well that's a question in and of itself is does he believe it because my feeling has always been he was a prolific science fiction writer you know they even say that he was being published at the same time as Robert Heinlein and right. Isaac Asimov. Right. And he holds the world record for more published authored works yeah, than any other writer. It's insane. And he went from writing all of this science fiction and making a penny a word to saying, well, what if I build a structure here that has a lot of these fantastic ideas that I love writing about, but it's going to make me billions. Yeah, but I think he believed... The stuff he was writing. Well, we're not uh, going to sell that today. I, no, I, no. I have serious doubts about that. Yeah, um, just that and whole I think thing. Elrond Hubbard like, was a very successful shyster. Ride, but... Riding around, you know, this the whole bit about him going around the Mediterranean looking for the treasure uh, that he had buried in his past lives. It's like I, I don't doubt that he went. Uh, he's a very well-traveled man, and that broadens the mind. I don't deny that he had an introspective nature and was looking for truth. But I think the the version of the truth that he sells to his members you don't is think not what it. he believes. Thetans and volcanoes and nuclear bombs. No, I don't. Yeah, I I think he was insane, and and okay. I think yeah. I think he had a he had a mental health problem, and it wasn't picked up, and he was asking for help. I think he was questioning his own insanity, and I and I think that he was treated poorly, uh, and felt felt neglected by people in his life who wouldn't listen to him. So he created a story that people would listen to. 
and held tightly onto that secret until he felt that people were sufficiently in in order that this kind of had to believe it to to carry on do you see what i'm saying that yeah. it's a manipulation tactic that I, I i think is much less machiavellian than the way that miscarriage is presenting no, it no question right yeah and yeah. and so even though it's not okay even though yeah he might have at sometimes thought what am i doing here um the the brain's ability to reconcile that cognitive dissonance is so strong in so many people all over the world no one's immune to that yeah. that I doubt he was ever aware or ever let himself become completely aware of how ridiculous everything was. I think the necessity to stay right, be right, and to continue on that story, that was much more uh, appealing and much more important than taking a step back and going, what have I done? Well, it certainly would tally with the church's absolute rejection of psychiatry. Yeah. Um, because that was that would require too much work, right. and yeah. Hard painful work. work yeah, when yeah. I can just believe in fairies instead, yeah, and I'll exactly. Be fine. And the clue for me in in what everything that I'm saying was that <laughs> so you got this crazy story. This galactic overlord Zenu uh, is um, I hate that guy. Yeah, I really hate that guy. <laughs> has got this world where he's it's overpopulated and he's freezing these beings souls, souls well they're not souls they're real beings flesh and blood beings and then he drops them into volcanoes in in atomic bombs and then they explode and then but their souls are detached from their bodies and they're free and then those are the thetans those are the souls that are free to go around the universe that then land on human primates human human beings yeah. so the thing is it's so interesting they're saying in the documentary anyway, they're very presented. I'm not saying it's true either way. I don't know. But in the documentary, the way they're presenting it is he, he, he managed to get these people on this overpopulated planet in, in for an audit. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it, the story, the parallels of the story with what L1 Hubbard's perpetrating on the Scientology members. Right. And his own paranoia about the government auditing him for the money he was amassing, right? It it makes perfect sense. Mm. Yet again, the Cruiserverse makes perfect sense. Are you sense. introducing Dianetics into the Cruisology? Well, the Cruiserverse? Well, we might have to have a Cruiserverse segment on Dianetics. I mean, that's what the Cruiserverse is based on, right? On this ludicrous story, <laughs> is it? right? Yeah, that's why I came up with the idea of the Cruiserverse because this ludicrous story that doesn't seem to make sense, but as you go through the detail, uh, maybe it does make kind of perfect sense. And that's the the silliness of the Cruiserverse. Is, well, what is, I would say is the know. Cruiserverse makes as much sense as Scientology does. Yeah, well, the Xenu part of it, at the very yeah. minimum, right? And and that's that was my clue that he's really unhinged because. In the Xenu story, there's just there's very clear evidence of his own fears about what was going to happen to him. I mean, what an amazing ruse! Uh, yeah, don't worry, guys. You're just coming in for a tax audit. That that's all. Oh, sit in this chair. We're gonna we're gonna at some frozen droplet or something that make, freezes the souls or some weird thing. It's like they get frozen, but it's like in some peculiar way. It's like, it's All I could like... hear through that whole sequence was just dum da dum dum dum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. 
Ben, so yeah, are you so afraid Tom... that the Scientologists are going to come after you for this for putting out this episode? I am more afraid of yes, Scientologists filming me as I leave my apartment than I am of the FBI or anyone else coming for me, um, because it's the kind of shit that they do. They tend to go after members of their own church though to silence them up. Um, some of the footage actually that's included in the film, I think it's Marty Rathbun. Um, who gets in trouble for knocking a guy's glasses off. You know that bit? Yeah. And he's he's labelled a squirrel, and they're all squirrel yeah. hunters. Um, I'd actually seen that footage unedited on YouTube before well, this film came out. Is it like their document? Is it their version of Ghost Hunters? Is it Scientology? Scientology TV? Or if Cheaters. You... Have you ever seen Cheaters? No. I what? don't. It's a horrible program. Oh, right. People enlist like this guy, oh, Jackie yeah, Greco. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm aware of it, yeah. Yeah, so it's like that. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's about half an hour, 45 minutes of, of unedited footage from that on YouTube. And I remember seeing that and thinking, I, how is this legal? This is nuts. You can't just sit outside someone's house filming them, interrogating them. No wonder he only knocked the guy's glasses off. I just smashed all their equipment up. Anyway, yeah. beside the point. Right. Tom Cruise's part in it. Uh, began in the late 80s when he was married to uh, Mimi Rogers, who introduced him to the Church of Scientology. And this was the point in Cruz's career where he was going stratospheric. And it undoubtedly did very good things for him. Where it started to become controversial, and Scientology arguably became a problem for Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise became a problem for Scientology, was when he met and fell head over heels in love with Nicole Kidman. And it's a very interesting version of that relationship this film puts across, which is that he really, really adored her. And we speculated when we talked about Eyes Wide Shut that going through the painful processes of self-examination that Kubrick put them through as a couple may have contributed to their relationship falling apart. It may be that that's the case. But what this film posits is that the secrecy that Kubrick demanded from Cruz when he is in London for two and a half years drove David Miscavige crazy. And also the knowledge that Nicole Kidman's father was a psychiatrist and that she may be polluting Tom Cruise's mind. And so they label him a suppressive person, an SP, which is the worst thing you can be in the church other than yeah. a squirrel. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the the film argues that actually they went about trying to brainwash Cruz to turn him against her and to turn their kids against her. And the reason ultimately that Cruz and Kidman broke up was because of the church and Scientology, because they were offering a safety net that right. they made him need, basically. Yeah. And then you get that whole thing with the um Yeah. The Stepford girlfriend, the Nazanin, you know, that yeah, Nazanin Boziadi. I mean, that, that's that's and, really horrible. Yeah. yeah, that and and then so if Tom Cruise has any knowledge of these things, it <laughs> it does beg the question: when, if, how will he ever? If will if if he ever would come out against the church and say that and, and say that yeah, it's not okay, and I got. I got sucked in and I was ashamed of that time and I've been trying to find a way to 
come out against the church in a way that wouldn't harm the people that I care about. Well, that's what the film, it kind of seems to end on that note, which is that if this thing is going to be widely exposed, if it's going to be damaged in any way, sure, it's great that people like Leia Romini, Paul Haggis, Jason Beeg, all these people are coming out against the church, people who have a profile of some sort. But Tom Cruise is the celebrity figurehead for Scientology. He's replaced Travolta, right? And I think the stuff that was really damaging to Cruise, and certainly he doesn't come across well in this film, is when they created an award for him to show him how much he meant to them. Mm. And it's called the IAS, which I assume is the International Association of Scientologists, Freedom Medal of Valor. It's amazing. They literally just made it up so they could get him on stage, give him a big medal, and it's a and really big medal. <laughs> it's, a, it's it's nuts. It's, a, it's almost a plate. It's almost the size of a plate. And the theatricality of that, again, I kind of admire the the ballsiness of the film to literally compare it to a Nazi rally. You know, the yeah. crazy fireworks and pomp and mm. circumstance and saluting the fallen leader, mm. LRH, and um. Yeah, just it's, and the, it's the production a film. Of it. Yeah, it's, cr- it's crazy. Half hour propaganda film about how Tom Cruise is is essentially a world leader, right? Yeah, and and as our representative in the Church of Scientology, he's we're going to give him this medal for for being such a good rep, basically. So it's no, not, it's, but it's it's nothing more. The thing that that makes it silly to me is that it's nothing more than an Employee of the Month award. Right, so it's not the <laughs> no, it's it's not. it's not the award that was the issue. It's that film that they made of him mm. in the black turtleneck talking mm. about Scientology, seemingly without any prompting whatsoever. He's just like stream of consciousness. It's it's insane, and he comes across as an insane person. I've never seen that whole turtleneck thing. Have you seen it? The whole turtleneck. Yeah, and and thing. what's yeah. really annoying is the um. The Limp Biscuit version of um, yeah, Mission, Mission Impossible, Impossible thing yeah. plays on a 10 second loop under the whole thing. Are you joking? So the whole time he's talking, all you can hear oh is. Wow. But yeah, the, 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 the bit I think that really hurt him was his manic laughter at someone saying, Have you met, ever met an SP, a suppressive person? And yeah. he goes nuts with this crazy laughter. He's like, Imagine a world where like that would be. You know something you could actually ask. Um, but, but yeah, so it it was difficult to interpret his reaction, and it just it kind of shows how far in he was, at least at that interview, into the thinking and the philosophy. And I've got no idea where he's progressed with it since, um, for better or worse. Um, but what it, the interpretation I I tried to get from it, it took me a while to work it out, was that his reaction is saying. What a ludicrous question that is in our day and age, because we're surrounded by SPs. Yes. There's so many SPs. Wouldn't it be lovely if we had a world where that was actually a serious question? Yeah. Where you'd actually have to search for and think about, oh, I wonder if I have ever actually met an SP. So his reaction suggests that he's in his mind labeling people he meets and encounters as SPs all the time. And he's more enlightened than them. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Which really taints the view that we've been espousing on on the cruise cast, saying that he's a really good guy and he forms connections with people. For all we know, 
the, the you know the buddy buddy relationship that we, he's got with Simon Pegg. For we know he thinks Simon Pegg's an SP. Yeah, maybe. And it's also perfectly possible that Simon Pegg is secretly thinking this yeah. guy's a nutcase. Look at his beliefs. Right. right. We'll do it. You know, we'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we know we know people that we don't we don't appreciate their beliefs. It's possible. My f- my feeling is that though, um, because that video came out in two thousand four. That that was a, the roughest period of Cruz's career, and his comeback that he had to do in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I haven't seen any evidence since then that he speaks publicly about Scientology at no, all anymore. Neither have I, and and but that could also just be part and parcel of Scientology's PR policy at the moment. Could be yeah, that they're just going to continue doing what they're doing, and that they're. They realise they're at a level of size and growth. What they're doing on the streets and and with people in person doesn't require a media presence anymore because they just recognise that they're they're so huge that they're pervasive and their outreach programmes are... They don't need the media to help them with that. Does that make sense? So they can just dissociate from that and there's no need for it. So it doesn't mean that Tom Cruise has chilled out about it but secretly, here on the cruise cast, we have a hope that that is the case. Well, for whatever reason, I think it's it is important for his image that he doesn't speak about Scientology in public because he doesn't want to be questioned about it. Um, and I've no idea what the conversation would turn to if that did become a part of the conversation. Now, I do remember there was a. Uh, an interview three or four years ago where someone brought something up about the abuses within Scientology Church. And Cruz very diplomatically said, I want to continue this interview, but you're being rude right now. And you know you are. So don't pretend that you're not. Mm. And I've always enjoyed talking to you. I want to talk to you again. But let's move past this. And I think that's kind of where he's at. Um, Mm. It's interesting. It seems to be a go-to... Scientology thing when there's when they're sort of cornered with the questioning it's like to accuse the person of being rude I noticed that several times in the documentary maybe that's just me and I'm making a a correlation where there is none but I I guess all people who feel cornered interview might accuse the person of being rude I'm questioning whether or not it's just cut this bit man I'm not making a point let's say that um, you're a Catholic yeah, your beliefs uh, fall in line with the Catholic Church, yeah. and someone asks you about abuses within the Catholic Church, well right. documented. Right, it's reasonable that you could be defensive about that. I think it's also reasonable to say, "I absolutely condemn them," but it doesn't rock my faith in God. Okay? Yeah, and then and so if you said that, and and that's the difference because there's plenty of Catholics that would be that would that find that found that news. Up, about those abuses abhorrent they and i'm sure that it shook their faith at the, and i'm sure it solidified other people's faith and just said well it doesn't mean that you're a catholic that you perpetrate these abuses and i think it's fair to say just because you're a scientologist doesn't mean that you um won't condemn the abuses that have been going on within the church of scientology uh but it's unfortunate that it's the church's policy to suppress and hide it right I mean, and, and, and both and, churches actually were, were doing uh, that. Uh, of course. And yeah. and this is the point that the film 
seems to come to at the end, which is that it needs a figurehead like Cruz to, if not turn on the church, at least say, you have to address this stuff. You have to correct these injustices. You have to be open and honest. And it's the only bit in the film that felt like a bit of a cheap shot. Are you saying that Cruz needs to employ the voice of reason? I am, yeah. Yeah. But there was one other thing in that um, that Medal of Valor speech when he gets up. He says something like, um, are you ready? Like, And he, he literally says, like, we're going to change the world. We're going to make the world a better place. And I did get that feeling because someone else says it of him that he drank the Kool-Aid. And in the eyes of Miss Gavage, he is the perfect Scientology celebrity. And I think what he means by that is that Cruz willingly will stand there and say, that Ethan Hunt character that I play, I can be that in real life. That's the Cruz, the Cruiseverse crossover for this film. Mm. Is that when he stood on that stage and accepted that medal, his words show that he does see himself as a force for good in the world. He does see himself as a leader. Mm. He pretty much said as much. And that's what I think he's walked back in the subsequent yeah. years. Yeah, right. The only other thing is, uh, as much as... Some of the cruise stuff I felt slightly toxic. Um, I'd be lying if I said that him taking the mic and doing the splits on his 42nd birthday when they did the Risky Business song for him didn't make me laugh. I did enjoy it. I just love his joie de vivre. It's totally um, more energy than is necessary. <laughs> <laughs> no shirtlessness in this one, though, is there? No, no shirtlessness. No, no. <laughs> for the first time since Lions for Lambs. No, but I really hate to say that he probably did get some as well. <laughs> it just feels wrong to say no it. doubt but it no just doubt. feels wrong because it's just like that whole Nazanin story just made me sick to my stomach man yeah yeah that's high level human trafficking it's really like yeah yeah, yeah. it's wrong it's just wrong general feelings about the the film like are you glad you watched it yeah i'm glad i know more now because i always just saw it as this sort of kooky thing that wasn't necessarily dangerous um, but having seen the film, uh, if everything in it is true, and not even everything in it, if a percentage of it is true, then I, I think I believe it's a really dangerous organization. And the larger it gets, the more dangerous it gets. And I think that people's lives—it seems as though people's lives have been destroyed. I think it's very difficult to create a coherent lie about about these abuses about how they're destroyed i it would really shake my uh perception if i somehow got there was some evidence that no this ho- this whole movie was fake like th- this documentary is fake i i just i can't believe that i so that means that some of the much more moving aspects of this documentary the 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 ways that um, people were instructed to disconnect from family members and that family mm. members were just saying my place in the church matters more to me than you, basically. That and, stuff is heartbreaking. Right. Yeah, really horrible. And it's funny that I found that more heartbreaking than stories about uh, this alleged hole that where yeah. top yeah. members were actually put in essentially prison, um, where things were being done to them that just as bad as what I've he- heard happens at Guantanamo Bay. So it's like, well, they're operating like a, sinister government almost the uh the church and so uh, like i said if a percentage of it's true 
there needs to be better oversight. There needs to be some investigation. And there's no doubt the FBI is investigating them. There's no doubt. I mean, it would be ludicrous because they they are a dangerous force to be reckoned with. They're turning over much more than most businesses every year. And if they started doing something like gathering arms or, you know, they, they'll be shut down. They're, they'll be, you know, I'd be super surprised if they didn't do it. And the thing that would frighten me would be to find out that there are Scientologists in higher positions that would start frightening me even more yeah fair enough that you know if there are fbi officials or government officials who are scientologists that would start to be getting a bit more scary are you interested in any further viewing of scientology stuff it's, yeah uh no i i feel like i've seen enough that was distressing enough okay. i think if i you can tell me that there are there is more viewing. There's, well, I the think two, there's a Louis Theroux documentary, right? Yeah, yeah, he did one. I think it's called My Scientology Movie. Right. And that's that's really interesting because he gets no access whatsoever. Yeah. So he ends up having former church members help him create reenactments. Oh, right. And he casts the part of David Miscavige and then creates these workshops for um, him to let loose in. and. Wow. It strays so far from any kind of idea of verisimilitude, but it's fascinating nonetheless. And the encounters that he does have with um, the church, like trying to stop him going on private property that's Mm. actually just a public road, is classic Louis Theroux. So it's it's an interesting movie. It's not as in-depth as this because it doesn't have the level of access that this has. But the big recommendation is Paul Thomas Anderson's film The Master, Right. which is a very thinly veiled uh, version of the story of L. Ron Hubbard. So it's with an allegory. Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman playing essentially L. Ron Hubbard. Right. And what's oh, interesting right, about that... they used that... to call him the Commodore. So the master is, an, is, an, is a direct... It's such a thin veil. They literally right. just changed the names. Right, okay. okay. Um, Do they call him um, uh, P. Bon Hubbard? Is that his name? No. Oh, oh. Uh, I can't remember his name now. It's Lancaster something. Anyway. So it's still L. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's fascinating about that is because obviously Paul Thomas Anderson worked with Tom Cruise on Magnolia and is still friends with him and he didn't want to upset Tom Cruise by making a film about Scientology and making it seem like he was throwing his friend under the bus. So, so he had... So is, Tom, a, is there a Tom Cruise in it? No, no. In, no, because it's set, it, no, in, it's the set in the 50s. Oh, right. No. Called, but, um, called, the character's called Cole Trickle. <laughs> he had Tom Cruise come and view an early cut of the film oh, to right. essentially give it his blessing. Wow, that's that's a really... Um, and he did. Bold move, right. He said, yeah, there's nothing wrong with this. Well, that's a great piece of trivia. And that, that gives me a bit more... That gives me some relief that perhaps Tom Cruise is uh, getting a bit more... Um, Maybe he just saw it, and uh, he just saw it not as a damning appraisal of. I haven't great seen. Movie, buddy. I haven't seen the master yet. Maybe he just saw it like, yeah, it's great. It's exactly. It's the history of Scientology. It's nice that you hid it under the thin veil, you know. But I, but, I guess it's a damning appraisal. I'm sure it's not. Uh, doesn't make the church look good, right? It's both. It's oh, interesting. It's I. I get why this process, this auditing process, can be so valuable to damaged people. Yeah. And yet, I also get that this guy 
is playing a shell game with people's lives. Yeah. Um, it's a fantastic film, The Master. And in this world where we are short of Philip Seymour Hoffman performances, one of his best. So can't recommend that one highly enough. Right. So uh, that's probably will be, if I ever watch anything that's related to Scientology again, it'll probably be that. Um, yeah. I'm sure I'll give the Lou through thing a pass. I just, it is very distressing. And I guess we should give a, a word of warning to, to listeners that if you are sensitive about um, the, the, this kind of uh, situations where people's freedoms are being taken away and people are being psychologically manipulated and, and oppressed into doing things that really with a clearer mind that they wouldn't, they wouldn't really choose to do. Um, but that there's a long process of indoctrination that um, sort of inculcates people uh, into the, into the church. It's, it's not, it's not an easy or pleasant watch necessarily. It's not, it's not horrific either uh, to watch, but I'd argue that it can be, it could be very upsetting to to watch this film. Yeah. yeah. Um. And so, so with you know, watch it with caution and and hopefully with uh, some some ease and plans to do something nice afterwards, maybe. Yeah. I guess that's it. No point doing classics, lines, reboot, remake. No. I did, I did have one more one more laugh though, um, which was when uh, the actor who's in it throughout i forget his name jason beeg yeah jason beeg right what what do we know him from what, well interestingly i only know him from a paul haggis movie the next three days that's interesting oh he's in gi jane so that's uh the next three days with russell crowe right yeah he's in thelma and louise he was um he was david cofney's best man when david cofney married taylor leone there you go a little trivia for, for him yeah great Anyway, so it was a Jason Beeg moment. Um, I love the way this guy talks. I mean, just he's got that super gravelly voice. Yeah, he's he? got the super gravelly, but also just animated and um, uh, he sort of doesn't hold back on his opinion in any way. He's not filtering himself. He's just saying it like it is, and you just you know what you're getting. You you, you know what you're getting with him, and and he has this one line that perfectly describes um the psychology or at least of him but of many people who find themselves stuck at, for a length of time in in a way of thinking that's sort of cyclical and just erodes their freedom some people talk about marriage like this as well um but he was just saying that he he found that he was stuck in a tiny spot behind my eyeballs looking backwards i love that that image of like and he's doing this this gesture of like pointing to this tiny little bit in his forehead where you know in between his eyebrows that's like he can feel that he was so introspective and but not even not just introspective in his whole mind it's just in this tiny area of his mind and he wasn't even looking outwards he was just it was all inwardly looking but in this small area of thought i i that was beautiful the way he was saying yeah. it and um but also he had this sort of look of incredulity on his face like how how could i have wasted so much time doing that and so i, and like I think he's i think he's the one that says if they told me this story at the ground floor 
I never would have stayed another minute. They both do. Paul Haggis says it as well, actually. Right, okay. yeah, two, yeah, two of them. They're just really... And Paul Haggis is the one that says, what the fuck? He seems like such a reasonable person, Paul Haggis. Like, Well, it's interesting that, you know, he did Crash, uh, the non-David right. Cronenberg one. Right, right. Um, which is a film that I quite actively hate. Mm. Um, and that was about a year before he came... And it was two or three years before he came out of the church. Right. And since coming out of the church, he's made some films that I really like. So... Um, I don't think that's coincidental. <laughs> <laughs> oh, might might not be, but yeah, so something interesting about that. What's fascinating is the irony with the, the term clear. And it's like, I've tried to avoid using it um, because it, now what it's, you know, to have some sort of clear clarity or clear perception is, is, is something that uh, is desirable. And now that term has just been, appropriated and distorted i'm going to find it very difficult to say now uh, for fear of sounding like a, a church member right well i'm glad that we managed to ruin something else for you yeah we have but one episode left this season it's the finale it's the tom tens and we'll be back shortly to do that and until then alex insert retired woo here yeah, I, I was going to make some sort of Scientology pun, but... Didn't yeah. come. I can't do a woo. You can't woo for this, can you? No. Is, is that our ending? That's rubbish. <laughs>